All right. Okay. So, no, Parshas Veyer begins. Rabbanu Shalom. I guess it really, uh, Parshas Veyer begins with picking up from last week already. So we know that at the end of last week's Parsha, Maishu Rabbeinu comes with a, uh, really a, a very basic question to Rabbanu Shalom, which is... Why have you done bad to this people? Why have you sent me? In other words, the question that Moshe Rabbeinu is asking is highlighted due to the fact that he was just sent to take Kalal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. Which means that the shlichus that he was on is to bring redemption and seems to int- the, the shlichus that he went on intensify the Galas. But, he's, but really Moshe Rabbeinu has interpreted like this, that Moshe Rabbeinu is really just using this as a as a springboard to ask the most basic question, which is, like, what is this whole Indian of Gospel Mitzrayim about? Like, why are, you, why are you causing such problems? Why are you causing such sorrows to Yidin? We know that, listen, there are, and, and that's a very fundamental question. What was the purpose of the suffering of Mitzrayim? What was the purpose of that? And we have to understand that, although usually we associate difficulty in Yisurin as a kapara for Averis, which certainly has its roots in Chazal, and even for Gaulus Mitzrayim, you could explain, yeah, there's Mechir Yosef, there was, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu himself hints in Parsha Shemais to the fact that there was Lashon Har being spoken. Okay. But at the end of the day, the Gaulus of Mitzrayim was that was predestined already before Mechir Yosef, right? It goes back to Avram Avinu, Brisbane Absarim, Yudayotayda, Kigar Yezrach, Averetz Loilahem, Avad Avinu Aysam. It was already, uh, you know, it was already, it was already predestined that there's going to be a Gaulus Mitzrayim. <coughs> And so the question is, what's the tachlis of this? What was the tachlis of Gaulus Mitzrayim? What was it coming to rectify? Now the truth is, this is uh, a question that you could ask about Gaulus Mitzrayim, but in a broader sense, it's a question on life itself. You know, without, I, you know I, 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 I hate to start a shir on such a, a downer, but uh, life, is, uh, life is, is one that's full of yisurin, that's full of difficulties, that's full of minias. Again, chas shalman shouldn't be big yisurin, but... Like the Gemara says, Ad The Gemara says, even when a person puts in their hand in their pocket to pick out, to pick out a certain amount of change, and they pick out a less amount of change, and you have to put their hand back in, that's also called Yusurim. In other words, and, and that's all the time. All of life is full of what, we would, what, what is technically classified as, as Yusurim. And so to think that the entire, uh, the entire tachlis of Yusurim of pain, of difficulty, is just to give an atonement to one's Averis. Um, it, 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 it's, it's really maybe part of the explanation for why there's difficulties in life, but it can't be the full picture. It can't be. There's just, there, there, every, every, every aspect of life is full of, is, is, is at least colored by something that's imperfect. And so to say that all of that is because of Averis, it's very difficult to say, especially where on a national collective level, our first collective experience of difficulty was Mitzrayim, which was predestined before there was even a Jewish people to make any mistakes. So clearly there's, something, there's some other siba, there's some other cause that's underlying this reality of there being Yusurin in the world. B'chalal, u'b'frat. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu's question is. So what is the answer? So the answer comes in the beginning of our parasha. So that's what we're going to try to investigate, what the Rabbani Shalom is answering, what is the explanation for Gaulus Mitzrayim, and, and by extension, the underlying main uh, Pneumistic behind all Yisurin that a person 
can Oleinu uh, go through? Again, like I said, Yisurin can be chas v'shalom extreme, but even, even, even uh, things, small discomforts, you know, small discomforts, even things, the Rebbe made the world in such a way, even things that are pleasurable, but if you do them too much or, 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 or too often, they themselves become painful, right? Sitting down is nice. No one has a problem sitting down. But if you sit down too long, right, then it also becomes uncomfortable. So you start shifting, right? So uh, there, there is no, no such thing in, in, in creation that is just pure pleasure without it eventually, without, without pain rearing its ugly head. And that Yisurin was built into the Tanuk. And so uh, this is a very fundamental question. We have to figure out what the answer is, what's the source of it. So the Rabbanu Shalom says to Moshe Rabbeinu, and it already, it's, it's contained in the real, hinted to the first passage, V'yidabra Kim al Moshe, right, that's Midas Hadin, V'yarma Elav, and so Elakim, the Midas Hadin responds to Moshe Rabbeinu, Ani Havaya, Ani Hashem, Ani Yud Kevavke. Okay, so already in that, the Rabbanu Shalom is hinting to what he's about to clarify in the next passage, that somehow through Yisurit and through Midas Hadin, Elakim, a revelation of Yud Kevavke is able to be experienced. And that's what the Rebbe Shalom says. That I, it's, it, that I revealed myself to the Avos Akdashim, which was at a time before there was the difficulty of Gals Mitzrayim. And because they did not go through Gals Mitzrayim yet, the only relationship I was able to have with them was through the name Kel Shakai. Ushmi but the name they did not know. In other words, this is the answer that the reason for Yisurin, for the pain of Gaul's Mitzrayim, on a national, on a collective level, and Mimela, whatever is true for Kla Yisrael is true for the individual, for the individual person as well. Without Yisurin, life could, God can only be experienced as Kel Shakai. With Yisurin, again, whatever Yisurin means, doesn't have to be something extreme. But with Yisurin, the Rabbanishim was now seen as Yudke Vavke. Okay, so obviously. That's where we have to try to figure out what's the difference between the two. What does it mean, Yudkevavke? In this pasuk, there's actually a contrast between without Golsmanstrim and with Golsmanstrim, and, and there's two differences. The, 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 more, the more obvious difference is that without Golsmanstrim, it's Kelshakai, and with Golsmanstrim, as a result of Golsmanstrim, it's Yudkevavke. But there's also another slight difference. It's said by without Golsmanstrim, pre Golsmanstrim to the office, for example, it's the era, the Kelshakai. I appeared, I was seen by the office with the name Kel Shakai. But then the contrast is, but now with you, what's going to happen is Shmi Havaya Loinadati Lahem. That you, with Gals Mitzrayim, you're going to have Yudke Vavke, but it'll, it, it, it's not described as a vision, it's described as a das, as an inner awareness. As an inner awareness. That's, again, without explaining it, but these are the things we have to figure out. So again, that's, this is what the Pasuk is trying to answer. Now, <clears throat> keeping this in mind, we also have to have to uh, sort of pair this, whatever this means of to know Yudke Vavke, which is the result of Gals Mitzrayim, we also have to um, clarify that that must also be connected to another purpose of Gals Mitzrayim, which the Pasuk also tells us. When Moshe Rabbeinu uh, is by the burning bush, the Rabbanan Shalom says to Moshe Rabbeinu, it's in a number of psukim, and it's a running theme throughout these parashiyas, is that Gals Mitzrayim is going to happen, and the Pasuk even over here talk, talks about at least part of it, is that as a result of Gals Mitzrayim, the Jewish people are going to be zaycha to two things. Tavdun HaSelakim Al they're going to get the Torah, and more than that, they're also going to get Eretz Yisrael. Right? That's what our parasha talks about. 
the four languages of, 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 of Gula, the Vesi, and the fifth one is, uh, I'm going to bring you to Eretz Yisrael, and so on. So, in other words, you have two different, um, two different places in Chumash where there is sort of an explanation of what the purpose of Gosman's time is and what it leads to. Right? So you have one place where the Pasuk describes in our parsha that the result of, Gula, of Golis Mitzrayim and its, and, its, uh, and its Gula results in Shmi Havaya Neidati, to know Yudke Vavke. Then you have another, other Pasuk, again, other conversations with Moshe Rabbeinu where it's clear that as a result of, of Golis Mitzrayim, the Jewish people are going to get Haras Torah and Eretz Yisrael. Now putting that together, what that basically means is is that what does it mean to know Yud Kevavke? It means not just Torah and not just Eretz Yisrael, but it means the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. That's what it means. Those two, those two things are, 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 these are both the result of Gosh Mitzrayim, which means they're the one and the same. So if the Torah says that the, the purpose of Gosh Mitzrayim is to know Yud Kevavke, and at the same time the Torah says the purpose of Gosh Mitzrayim is to get the Torah in Eretz Yisrael, so it means that there's such a thing as Torah, there's such a thing as Eretz Yisrael, but there's such a thing as Torah with Eretz Yisrael, or the Torah of Eretz Yisrael, and that is, another way of saying that is, Shmi Havai and Okay, you follow the uh, math? That's what's going on over here. Okay, so we have to explain this, what this means. Okay, Aleph, Bez. There's a third place in Chumash where there is an explanation on some level to the purpose of Gals Mitzrayim, and this third explanation of Gals Mitzrayim also must be synonymous with what we've been saying until now. And what is that? So this is not so, not so uh, mefurish. So uh, in, back in Parsha Shemais, when the Rabbanu Shloilam again appears to Moshe Rabbeinu by the Sneh, right? So, um, so it says over there, there's a burning bush, right? It's on fire. Moshe Rabbeinu uh, sees it, and he says, Asurna ve'era, or it says, Vini barbeish. He sees that there's a, a bush that's on fire. Vasna but it's not being consumed. It's not being burnt by the fire. So Moshe says, let me go turn and see what's going on over here. Madula, Yivra, Sna, how is it possible such a thing? So the Rabbanu Shalom sees that, he, that he's looking at the Sna, and the Rabbanu Shalom speaks to Moshe, and it says as follows. Um, uh, it says that the Rabbanu Shalom appears to Moshe Rabbeinu, within the flame, the fire, the flames of the fire that was that was that was uh, in the bush. That's what the pasuk describes. Okay, fine. Now, Chazal talk about that. This Rashi already brings down part of it. That this flame that 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 uh, the snah is on fire, but it's not being consumed. That's a reference. That's a a remez, a hint, uh, a symbol of Galus Mitzrayim, of the exile. In other words, the bush is the Jewish people. The fire that's, w- w- that should be consuming the bush is the difficulty, the, si- the suffering of Galus Mitzrayim. Uh, and and it's, the Jewish people should not have survived such an experience. Okay, and the Moshe Benu is, uh, that's the wonder, Madula Yivarasna. So this fire, this fire, according to Chazal, is a metaphor to Galus Mitzrayim. Okay, now we have a teaching from the Arizal. I've mentioned this Torah a number of other occasions as well. So this I'll just I'll just hazard quickly, and you'll 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 see what you'll see what it's for. Okay, here's the idea: a person's name, a person's name is very significant, right? A person's name is the name of your neshama, all the kaiches and nefesh, all the kaiches and nefesh, all of your potential, all of your avoid, everything you have to accomplish in the world is contained in your name. It's contained in your name. 
Which means that when a person comes into the world and they're given a name, right? A boy or a girl and they're given a name, it means that that's, a, uh, that's what your avayid is. It doesn't mean that your name is finished, right? Adarabha. Your whole life is really to, to then work on your name and to really unpackage your name. That's why, you know, just in parentheses, so, you know, everyone's heard, you know, na, nach, nachma, nachma, right? So there is such an idea in the Tukunei Zoyer that tzaddikim and Olam Haba are, just, are, are, are called like that, that their name is, is drawn out like that because a name being drawn out like that means that every part of the name has been worked through. You know, there's no part that's just swallowed over, just, uh, you know, looked over. It's, it's, everything is pulled out. So that's what a person's avoid is. So it's like this. We have a principle that Rizal taught. Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama is a big neshama. Every single, in a certain level, you know, Chazal already say that V'yaminu b'Hashem Moshe Avdai Moshe Rabbeinu is shakal k'neged kol Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu equals the 600,000 Yidin. Everyone, Moshe Rabbeinu, what he experiences and what he has to go through on a, on a personal level is what all of Kalah Yisrael is going through as well. So the Rizal taught like this, that Moshe Rabbeinu had a, there was a number of, of Gilgulim of Nishmas Moshe before Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Moshe Rabbeinu, the person Moshe Rabbeinu that came to the world at that time, was really the third incarnation. The Rizal said that, that Moshe was a Gilgal of Hevel, Shes. Hevel was killed by Cain, right? Then he comes back as Shes, the third son of Adam. And then he comes back as Moshe. And that's why the Rizal taught, again, we're not going to why Hevel and Shes, that's not the point right now, but Moshe is the third Gilgal of that Neshama. And that's why the Rizal said the word Moshe equals, is a Rosh Tevis. Moshe, Mem is Moshe, Shin is Shes, and He is the Hevel. So it's, uh, it's telling you his history. So it's Moshe, Shes, and Hevel. Okay. Now, the result taught, though, that by the time Moshe Rabbeinu is standing by the burning bush, so it means that Moshe Rabbeinu is coming into the world, and his job is not only to fix himself, to Mesach and his Neshama, his job, since he's a Gilgal of those previous two tzaddikim, his job is to be Mashlim, to complete the names of those two tzaddikim as well. Now the Rizal taught that by the time Moshe Rabbeinu was standing by the burning bush, he was Mashlim, he was Masakin, those three letters of his name. The Mem, that's his name, Moshe, the Shin of the name Shes, and He from the name Hevel. But the, the three remaining letters, the Tuf of the name Shes, right? The Bez Lamed of the name Hevel, that he wasn't yet Masaki. That he wasn't yet Masaki. And those three letters that, rem- that were remaining without tikkun, without rectification, without perfection, that's, those three letters, Tuf, Bez, Lamed, is the letters Tevel. Tevel, tevel uh, in Tanakh means inhabited, inhabited place. Like we say the first, uh, you know, the, the Shir Shalyam on Sunday, Lashem Ha'aretzumulaya, that Hashem has the whole world in heaven and so on. Tevel v'yoshveva, tevel, tough base lamed. And tevel means not just the earth, but the specific parts of the earth that are inhabited, right? You could have dry land, but the Sahara Desert is not inhabited. Tevel means the, the part of the earth that's inhabited. The letters tough base lamed, which are the remaining letters of Shes and Hevel, minus the, the letters of Maisha, those were not Masukan yet. Said the Rizal, and this is what's hinted to in with the fire that Moshe Rabbeinu sees by the burning bush. The fire of the burning bush represents those remaining letters of Moshe's name, of, of Shes and Hevel's names, that have not yet been rectified. This is why it says in the Pasuk that the Malach of Hashem appeared to him, Balabas Esh. Labas, 
Lamed Beis Taf is the same letters as those remaining letters of Shesh and Hevel. Tevel, Labas, it's the same word. So Viyar Malch Hashem Elav Balabas Eish said the Rizal as follows. So those remaining letters are metaphorically represented by the fire, by the Labas Eish. More than that, said the Rizal, and there was one specific Russia whose Iker Yenika, whose source of life was coming from those imperfected letters. And that was none other than Bilam. Bilam, again, without going into too much detail, Bilam, who's the arch enemy of Maishar Abenu, by Chazal say that, like, the Pasuk says, like, come Kamesha. No one is like Maishar Abenu. Chazal say, but by, that's by Yidin, by Umas Oilam, by the other side, there is someone that's the, that's the, the, the mirror image, the opposite of Maishar Abenu in Klippa, and that's Bilam. Bilam is, uh, is, is, his name is divided into two parts, Bez Lamed, Am. So Bilam represents all the nations of the world, just like Maisha represents all of Klai Yisrael, Bilam represents Am. He represents the entire world as well. And the two letters that he embodies in order to do that was Beis and Lamed, which are the two unrectified letters of, two out of the three unrectified letters of tough Beis Lamed remaining from Shays and Hevel. In other words, said the Rizal, as long as those letters are unrectified, it means there's still a power that Bilam is coming from. Bilm is still uh, being yonic from that. Now, said Dariya Kaddish, at this moment, when Moshe Rabbeinu was standing by the burning bush, the Rabbani Shalom is charging him and telling him, you want to take Kal Yisrael out? This is how it's going to happen. Be in those remaining letters. This is the revelation of the burning bush, is that the fire that's, that is Golis Mitzrayim Right? Like Chazal say, the fire is a, is a metaphor to Golis Mitzrayim. The set, based on this Ariza, what's happening is, is that the fire of the burning bush, which is a metaphor to Golis Mitzrayim, is being explained. You know why Golis Mitzrayim is, you know what it is. Golis Mitzrayim is a result of those three letters of your name, Tef, Tuf, Beis, Lamed, of Shesh and Hevel, not being fully rectified. And those unrectified letters are allowing, are, are, are necessitating Golis Mitzrayim. Golis Mitzrayim is, is there because of those unrectified letters. And, by the way, therefore, it's not a coincidence that who was the one that gave Parah the Eitzah of, of subjugating the Jewish people in slavery? It was Bilam, right? Chazal said it was Bilam. And so why is that? Because, again, this is what's going on over here. Those three letters, which are, remain unrectified, which is the source of Bilam, they need to become rectified. And Golis Mitzrayim is a way of rectifying those letters. So although what, what seems to be something personal with Moshe Rabbeinu, that now he's standing by the burning bush and and and, and now those letters are, are you know, he's being, he's being given the task of fully rectifying them. The rectification of those letters is connected with his shlichus to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. So in other words, the Golas of Mitzrayim, the Golas of Mitzrayim, which was an Eitzah from Bilam, is synonymous with the unfortunate reality of these letters being unrectified, which, in other, in other words, means that the purpose of Golis Mitzrayim and the catharsis and the refuah that is Golis Mitzrayim is to eventually result in these letters being rectified through the suffering. And so Golis Mitzrayim is wrapped up in this sugya of these letters of Labas, of Labas, of Tevel, becoming rectified. And this is why it's ironic that Bilam, who's drawing his life from these unrectified letters is the one that gives the Eitzah to, to, to enslave the Jewish people, which through our suffering rectifies these letters and, and cuts him off from his life force. And so that's always the way it works. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin that the wood, the trees themselves, 
produce the handle for the axe to cut themselves down. That's the way it works. The klipa always, without realizing it, makes the Jewish people suffer, but the suffering itself is the tikkun for, for whatever that, that klipa was, whatever that difficulty was. So in other words, from this, from this Arizal, we're seeing the following idea, that the purpose of Gauls Mitzrayim, the, the reason why it was necessary, and what ultimately Gauls Mitzrayim is there to rectify is something that's personal to Moshe, but if it's personal to Moshe, it means it's for all of Kala Yisrael, which means to rectify those remaining letters of Shes and Hevel, Tav Beis Lamed. Those letters were unrectified, and therefore something's got something's to give. We have to fix that. And so the way to fix it is through the suffering of Gauls Mitzrayim. And once these letters have been somewhat rectified, or the process has, 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 has happened enough, the Rabbanu Shalom appears to Moshe, okay, now let's go take them out. These letters have been rectified enough to uh, take them out of Mitzrayim, and uh, you know, the rest will be history. So in other words, so just doing some basic mathematics of Inyanim that we have no idea what I'm talking about. So this is all completely above all of our heads right now. But what we have so far is, again, the, the question is, what is the purpose of Gauls Mitzrayim? So now we have three answers, and they all are, mean the same thing, just somehow. Answer number one, the purpose of Gauls Mitzrayim, and by, again, by extension, all suffering on some level, number one is to know the name Yudke Vavke, Aleph. Another reason for Gauls Mitzrayim is what? Is to be zeichet to Torah's Eretz Yisrael. Beis, that's Beis. And Gimel, the final reason why you need Gauls Mitzrayim, and again, by extension, all suffering, is in order to fix those three letters of the names Shes and Hevel, of Tuf, Beis, Lamed. And, and, and those three things, to know Yerkevavke, Torah's Eretz Yisrael, and fixing Tuf, Beis, Lamed, must all be the same. Follow? Okay. What in the world am I talking about? What does this all mean? Okay, so uh, here, so I'm, I'm going, by way of introduction, I'm going to tell you that we're not going to, we're going to finish this year tonight, so don't worry. It's, I'm not going to leave a, a, a question hopefully unanswered, but I'm just going to explain a principle without really explaining why the revolutionary makes this principle. So th- there's going to be questions sort of that this is going to bring up. But we're just, for tonight, we're just introducing the principle. Okay, so uh, we'll go like this. <clears throat> you know, this time of year is Shaivim, yeah? Shaivim. So by Mekubalim, they're, they're, they do a lot of fasting by Shaivim. There's a lot of fasting. So let's talk about, for a few minutes, the sugya of fasting, of fasting. And there's an interesting, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be, uh, you know, the shame learning. Okay, so don't, don't worry. This doesn't obligate us to actually fast. So I guess, listen, in Torah we have a number of fasts, right? So you obviously have from Kippur, it's a fast day, and we have uh, fast days uh, revolving around based on Migdash and so on. And that's basically what you find. Uh, what we have interesting, though, is, is that we, from the Rishonim, especially Chachmei Ashkenaz, you don't find it by, by necessarily by too many other places, but Chachmei Ashkenaz, famously by the Rekeach and the Sefer Chassidim, Yudha Levi, there's, um, there's, uh, there's an idea that they introduce that's called... It, it, you know, assert, it, 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 there's a number of different words for it, but they introduced this idea of extensive fasting for particular Averis. Again, I'm not saying this Allah Lamaisa, but just to know. Chachmi Ashkenaz, there's this idea from Chachmi, going back to the Rishonim of Ashkenaz, again, like I said, the Rekeach, the Sefer Chesidim, that they talk about this a lot. Of, they actually give a list of this sin requires this amount of fasting. 
Tshuva Samishkal, it's called. All different words to describe it. Like, this sin requires this amount of fasting. And so it's an interesting thing because we don't find this idea in Chazal, per se, of certain various need require certain fasting. We do find in Chazal the idea that some Sadiqim in the Gemara, when they sinned on their level, they would be Makabal Tainus. But such a system, an organized way of fasting, it's a little bit... A little bit interesting. So there's what's what's fascinating is is that when you look at at, at that those farm again the rakech the sefer chesidim and so on when they give their list the 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 category of sins that they generally speak about are heavy ones heavy ones chayvimisus krisus you know uh, sins that that carry heavy punishment and so those are the various that usually they're talking about in terms of in terms of. Uh, what should we call it in terms of fasting? Now, what's fascinating is, is that that's all from the Rishonim and Ashkenaz. Like I said, the Sephardim didn't have much of a tradition like this, but comes the Rizal, and in one of his Sephardim, in Sharuch HaKadosh, the Rizal gives what seems to be an, a, a, a similar idea, a list of Averis, with corresponding numbers of fasts. Now, what's interesting with the Rizal, though, is that the Averis that he deals with are not necessarily the biggest things in the world. I mean, you know relatively speaking. And what's interesting is as well is that the numbers of fasts that he gives corresponding to whatever Avera it is are not necessarily, um, not necessarily uh, 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 relative to the severity of the sin. So you could have something that's technically a darabanan that a person violates but has more numbers of fasts in the system of the Rizal than an Aver Medaraisa. And the reason for this is because the numbers of fasts that the Rizal gives to, to us for this list of Averis are not, like I said, it's not based on severity, it's based on the gematrias of certain Shemes that the Rizal wants to activate, or wants you to activate as a Tikkun to fix that particular sin. So whatever Shemus Akhtayshim need to be activated, the gematri of those Shemus, that's the number of fasts that you're going to do. That's why it's famous that this time of year by Shaivim, okay, maybe we could talk about this throughout Shaivim, we could, we could mention this idea that this time of year is to be Misaki in the specific Avera of, uh, of Shmir Sabris. And the result said that it has to do with 84 fasts. 84, Pedal Tanesim. That's not necessarily because of the severity of the Avera, that's just the Gemachis of the Shemus Akhtayshim is 84. Okay. But these are the two systems that we have from the Rishainim and you have from the Rizal. So the question is that the, that the Acharim deal with is that what, how, do we, how do we relate the two to each other? What, what's the fundamental purpose of the fasts of the Rishainim and their system versus the purpose of the fast that the Rizal introduces? Okay, so it's like this. The, the Gemara tells us, and I'll give you a little bit, let's focus on the Rishonim for a second. The Rakeach, the Sefer Chesidim, what's the background that they're coming from when they introduce this idea of having X number of fasts for the Avers that they're talking about? So the explanation is as follows. It's pretty simple. The Gemara says in Yuma, it's a famous Gemara at the end of Yuma, the Gemara says that if a person, God forbid, sins with an Asay or a Lois Asay, so, uh, with an Asay, I'm sorry, the Gemara says, okay, so you do tshuva, you're finished. Your nimchol miad, it's taken care of. Says the Gemara, no, if you violated a lysase, then also tshuva takes care of it with Yom Kippur. So you do tshuva, and then Yom Kippur comes, you're good to go. Says the Gemara, though, but if you, the person violated something that's chiv misa, krisis, and so on, so you do tshuva, and tshuva is the primary tikkun, you also need Yom Kippur, 
But then you also need Yisurin. You also need some suffering. Again, now what, is, what does suffering mean? It's not, uh, it doesn't have to be Chasr something incredibly difficult, but technically it requires Yisurin. And famously the Gemara then says, but in Chil Hashem, if the sin was done, let's say, Barabim or whatever, and it caused the Chil Hashem, so then, then, then even Yisurin is not enough. The, the person's Misa at the right time, after 120, it'll, it'll, it'll uh, finish the job as well. So the Rishonim come, the Rakech and so on, and they're coming with the following idea. The Averis that they're talking about, like I said, they're not dealing with the, uh, you know, with minor league Averis. They're talking about the, you know, the, the serious ones. The ones that the Gemara says in Yuma require Yusurin. So the Rishonim come and the Rakech and the Sefer Chesidim are coming to give us a little bit of, uh, of an Eitzah. Instead of waiting, God forbid, for the Rabbanu Shalom and from Bezin Shalmala to send Yusurin, which... You might not be expecting at the right time. You know, timing might be, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not what you wanted that afternoon. So the Rakech and the Sefer say, so bring it upon yourself. In other words, be makabal tanesem. And by fasting, and they give certain numbers because that's what they felt would be sort of enough Yusurin for those Averis, you're makabal the Yusurin on your own. And that, that fulfills the requirement of Yusurin that the Gemara says in Yuma, a person may need, but then it's on your own cheshven. You know what I'm saying? You can decide you know, when you want to do it, when not, you know, you're sort of uh, in control of that. So that's the concept of the Baal Rekech. Okay. Now because of this, because of this, the, the Achreinim say that the only time that this is recommended, the only time that this is recommended, again, nowadays, put it this way, the Achreinim say, the Baal Tanya and many other Achreinim say that because this is what the concept of the Yisurin are about, then this is only, first of all, if a person can handle it, you know, you don't want to take upon yourself Yusurin that you can't handle, right? Obviously, we're talking about... So they say, first of all, we're talking about generations or people that are used to fasting, so it wasn't like such a big deal, Aleph. And Bayes, it's also only true, you only want to do this if it's not going to disrupt your Avodah Hashem. So for the classic example is if a person is involved in learning all day, right? And by fasting, he's not going to be able to learn. So then, you're trying to do this in order to, uh, to, to be misakin, uh the sin that you committed, by what? By causing Bittal Tyra. So, you know, you're just replacing one problem with another problem. So it's not die. But this is where the Rekech is coming from. Okay. Now, the Arizal is something else. And I'll, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll prove to you how. The Arizal, there's two different places in the Arizal where he talks about whether a Talmud Chacham and someone that's involved in learning should be makabel these fasts. Okay. So, I'll read to you one place. In uh, just a couple lines, and there's a Sefer Haredim. The Sefer Haredim quotes from the Ariza the following thing. We don't, uh, we actually don't have it in our, in our Kisfiari, but this is what the Sefer Haredim quotes. He says, "B'shem Ariza, Kol All the fasts that you find in the Rishonim, like I mentioned, Teichachas Alavim, because of certain averes. So he says, That's only for someone that 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 is not constantly learning. And the fasting is not going to disrupt his Avodah Hashem. Avamisha Tarasim Nasai, but someone who's learning, the Yedea Das, Vir Hashem, and someone who's involved in Avodah Hashem, then by, by keeping these fasts, so you're trying to fix that Aver, but then you're causing yourself to, to be weakened in your Avodah Hashem in other areas, so it's not Kedai. So what's the, what should he do? So what the person should do is, don't stop learning, do what you learn. Maybe take one day, take one day in more of isolation, more of introspection, take a day of like doing an inner tshuva, but, but be makabal fasting in order to fix those Averis on the Cheshben 
of your Avedis Hashem, it's not Kedai. Okay. What's interesting is, though, is that in the Sefer Sharuch HaKadosh, as an introduction, before the Arizal talks about his list of Averis, with his corresponding list of fast days, this is how the Arizal, this is what the Arizal says. Da, he says you should know. Shemi shaloi Someone, as a general concept about his fast, he says, someone that, that uh, certainly never sinned and just wants to fast stamazai, a Talmud Chacham, someone who's learning, that's what he's talking about, someone that's learning, ain't Sarkhlasan, certainly should not fast because it's going to weaken his, his learning and it's not Kedai. But he says, that, but someone who has sinned in these sins that I'm about to list, even if he's a Talmud Chacham and it's going to weaken his learning, he has no choice, he has to, in order to clean himself out and bring a Tikkun to whatever he damaged. So this is the steer that the Achrenim, that the Sfaradish Achrenim point to, which is, what did, what did the Rizal hold in terms of a Tamil Chacham taking on these additional fasts? On the one, play, one place the Haredim brings down from the Rizal that a Tamil Chacham should not take on these additional fasts that, uh, that the Rishonim mentioned. But yet in Shah the Rizal says, no, if a person, if a Tamil Chacham violated one of these sins, then he has no choice. He has to be Mesakin himself and he has no choice but to fast. So, so which one is it? So the answer is, and the Sfarad HaShachrenim explained it as follows, that there's a fundamental difference between the lists, the fasting that the Rishonim introduced versus the fasting that the Arizal introduced. When the Sefer Haredim brings down from the Arizal that a Talmud Chacham should not take on these additional fasts, it was talking about, the words were, Kol the fasting that the Rishonim introduced, the Rekeach, Sefer Chassidim, that the Arizal said, it's not Kedai. You're doing that in order to fix some Avera on the Cheshman of Bittal Torah. It's not Kedai. But then there's something else. Then there's the new category of fasting that Darizal is personally introducing in Shah Ruch That Darizal says you should do even if you're a Talmud Chacham. Why? What's the, what's the fundamental idea behind the fasting that Darizal introduces? And here's the point over here. And then we'll get back to Gaulus Mitzrayim. And once I introduce this idea, the rest will go very quickly. There's a certain piece, there's a certain, it's an old Sefer from Narizal, and uh, it's interesting, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, you know, it was first written as a, as a separate Sefer by Rebbe Chaim Vital, but then only a couple generations later it was cut and pasted and, re- and incorporated and scattered throughout the Kisviari. So Rebbe for example, one of the things, uh, you know, he should be well, one of the things that, he, that he's done is that he's sort of, uh, um, uh, what, what's the word, uh, 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 He's taken apart the Kisri we have and sort of re-engineered the original version. So there's a, the original, one of the original Svarim from the Ariza, from the Rechaim Vital, is a Sefer called Oilas HaTamid. So in Oilas HaTamid, the following paragraph is written, and it was, you know, and this, is, this was written originally as an introduction to Shah Ruch HaKadosh, to the Sefer where he talks about, where there's a talks about his fasts and the Cheshvan, and this is what he says, listen to this, and this is a whole different perspective, again, bear in mind, the, the Rishonim introduced the idea of fasting to just replace the Yisurin that the, Rabban, that the Bezin Shomailah might send the person for a series of heirs. But comes the Rizal and says, this is the idea. Yudua, it's known. Shahachet pagam the kesem v'nefesh, that a sin, for example, uh, it can cause, uh, can cause uh, um, stains on the soul. A soul, a soul can be stained, nefesh can, be, can have stains on it. And so there is when a soul is stained, when a soul is not purified 100%, the 
then a soul that has the, it, 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 uh, uh, listen, a person can a person is born into the world with a with a brain with a good intellect, so you can learn Tyre. But said the reason, but there's something about there's something there's there there's such a thing. There's a madriga that's called to be masig satire, to understand secrets of Tyre. And when the Rizal says this, the, the, what the Rizal is referring to over here is not to understand something on an intellectual level, you know, mathematics and, and so on. He's talking about the ability of a soul to experience divinity, to experience spirituality. For a person to experience that which the physical senses can't always, can't experience on their own. To be masig satire, you understand? To truly experience that which is that which is not physical, that which is beyond the scope of, of regular human experience. And said the Rizal, while a neshama, while a neshama is, 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 unless a neshama is purified and refined completely, it won't be able to experience Sadi Satara, it won't be able to experience divinity, it won't be able to experience the Rabbanu Shalom. You could learn about the Rabbanu Shalom, and you'll be able to navigate through life properly, serving the Rabbanu Shalom, but to really fully experience what mitzvahs are. Again, not, not how to do them, but truthfully, what a mitzvah is. What is the universe of tefillin that you are entering when you put on tefillin? That requires a certain purification of the soul. And said there is all, every neshama needs to be refined by this. When a person sins, the imperfection of the soul is doubled down, it's intensified. And without purification, the soul, these ideas, and the Yiddishkeit itself is not shining by the person. It's not shining by the person. There's a certain timtum halev, there's a certain coarseness that the person, that the person has that, that doesn't allow him to truly experience the, 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 the reality of Yiddishkeit. The reality of Yiddishkeit. When I say reality of Yiddishkeit, I think you understand what I'm saying, that I don't just mean the technical, technical details of how to live from life. We're talking about how, how to experience Shabbos as a living organism, a reality. That's something that requires a Tahara Salev, a Tahara Sanefesh. And said that Rizal, <clears throat> Just like a mirror, says the result. A mirror that, you know, if, it, it is the, the, the appearances on the mirror, the light that shines on the mirror is not going to be, it's not going to be clear and glowing and, and, uh, and shining properly if there's a lot of, you know, finger marks and, you know, uh, stains on the mirror. So the same thing with the nefesh. For the light of Tyre, the light of Tyre, the reality of the Rabbani Shalom, for it to shine Forth truthfully in the neshama for it to be experienced as a as a truthful reality as something that's actually real and as tangible as this world that requires a certain taharas alev says the Arizal, says Vital, I should say so a soul that's sick a soul that's sick with all these fingerprints you know and all these marks in order to be purified and to be healed, the neshama has to go through Yisurin. But you see what the Rizal is talking about over here. The Yisurin that Rizal is introducing us to is a whole different category of, of purpose than what, for example, Chazal mentioned at the end of Gemara Yuma. The end of Gemara Yuma is talking about the process of, of making sure you don't have to go to Gehenna. Make sure that you didn't have very, you needed a punishment. Einshim. Okay, so the Gemara says, a big Averis, you need, uh, there's a big Einshim hanging over a person's head. Shuvah's not enough. So you have to have some level of Yisurin. So for there, the Rishonim introduced, okay, you know what? So instead of having to go through Yisurin, that Bez and Shemalah decides, make it, take it upon yourself on your own, your own, uh, uh, in your own way. 
and uh, fulfill that requirement on your own. But that's all just to avoid punishment. But the Rizal is talking about something else altogether. The Rizal says, fine, punishment to him, punishment to her. Fine, uh, you're not going to be punished. Or you don't care about being punished. It's not, but that's, that's not the Indian. The Rizal says, but there's something else that, that, the, that the soul needs to experience. The soul needs to become refined to allow it to, to become sensitive to Ruchnias. Yeah. So that we're going to have to see about that. I'm not. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get that. Yeah, we're, I'm not sure we're able to get into that now. Like I said, it's going to open up other questions, which it, which I, it should be opened up. Don't get me wrong, but just to establish the principle. So says the result. There is there is another purpose of yisurin, a deeper purpose of yisurin, which is to allow the person to be masig, the mahus, the essence of Tyra, and the truth of Yiddishkeit. And the essence of the Rabbanish not just about God and to serve Him, but to allow the soul to experience it in truth. And those, and that's what the fast days of the Arizal are there for. And the Arizal, therefore, is not coming to tell you only the big Averis and so on. These specific Averis that the Arizal handpicks are the Averis that, for whatever reason, have this quality of, of enhancing, of, of, of putting very, very thick fingerprints on the mirror uh, of the soul to uh, block the, the mirror from experiencing light, you understand, from the, uh, taking away the sensitivity of, of the neshama. And to fix that, it's not a matter of severity of sin. The certain shemes haktoshim and the cheshma darizal, they need to be worked through in order for the soul to become purified. And therefore, said darizal, if you're, if you're fasting for the cheshma, the rishonim, to get rid of punishment over yourself, yeah, but if it's causing bittal taira, it's not going to die. Your, your, one, your, your biggest priority is to serve the Rabbani Shalom, not to avoid punishment. But said the Rizal, but if you're fasting on my cheshben, with my cheshbenes, which is what? Which is in order to be masik taira, to experience taira and to truly understand what Yiddishkeit is. That's not the cheshben of bittal taira. That's part of learning. That's, that, that's in order to allow yourself to truly learn. You're not going to be spending as many hours in learning because you're going to be weak from fasting, but that's not bittal taira. Uh, without that, then you're not truly learning. You don't understand what Yiddishkeit is. So it's not just avoiding punishment, that's taharis halev. In other words, what we see from the Rizal, I'm just using this as a, as, a, as a way of introducing an idea. What we're seeing from the Rizal is a new idea, which is that suffering, instead of it being something just there to remove punishment for some avera that was committed, that's, which is true and it has its place, but the Rizal is revealing to us that there is something else at play with Yisurin, that there is a, there is a reality that Yisurin produce, which is a certain ziko chalev, a certain purification of the heart, a transparency of the heart, and which is for what purpose? To allow the Jewish person, not just to keep mitzvahs, but to allow the soul to truly experience mitzvahs for what they really are. That Yiddishkeit should become something that's alive, that's real, and, and, and tangible. Spirituality and elokus and divinity and the Rabbanu Shalom's presence should be something that's 100% real. That is a fundamental purpose of Yisurin. Now let's go back. Using this idea of what Yisurin can be, again, in the, in the system of the Rizal, it's there to be masaking this pollution and this coarseness that comes as a result of certain sins. But, let's, but the idea of Yisurin being mamarkin, of Yisurin allowing the soul to experience truth. This is something that the Jewish collective soul 
needed to go through by, by Golis Mitzrayim. Let's go back. Golis Mitzrayim, we said, it's not because of an Avera. Yeah, you could, you could go back and attribute it to Mechir Yosef, but it goes before that. And, and, and by an extension, the suffering that a Jewish person has to go through in the world is also not be'etzim because of necessarily a person's sins. Yeah, a person's sins will double down on it. It'll increase, it'll intensify the, 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 the need for Yisurin. But, but fundamentally, the purpose of Yisurin is because the Rabbani Shalom wants every single Jewish person, every single Jewish soul, not just to receive the Torah, but to receive the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. What do I mean the Torah of Eretz Yisrael? Rav Kook talks about this a lot, that Torah in, in Chutzlaretz, for example, turn Chutzlaretz versus Torah in Eretz Yisrael. Torah in Eretz Yisrael is a Torah that's, that's the, the, Rav Kook used the language of tivi. It's natural. It's, it's, it's alive. It's breathing. It's, it's not concepts. It's not uh, just, Zeroyim is not just something that's on the shelf. It's, you, you could feel it. It's a living, breathing reality. The Rabbanu Shalom, in order for Yiddishkeit to become something that's real and the soul to experience the essence of Yiddishkeit itself, not just ideas, that requires a certain level of Yisurin. Now, I said, as I said, how much Yisurin doesn't have to be extreme. And the Tzaddikim have already told us that in our generations, any level of, of Mesir's Nefesh, of you know, putting your Kaychus into Avedis Hashem, that's also Yisurin. Sitting through the Shir is Yisurin, right? So it's also Yisurin. But, but any level of Yisurin is, is, is there is a taharis halev, a zikuch nefesh that automatically comes as a result of, of, of Yisurin that's not because of an Avera per se. It's just the, the natural zikuch that is required for a neshama to experience something that's beyond its normal domain. And any time a soul is tasked with experiencing something that's beyond its normal way of, uh, its normal boundaries, it's, in order to open itself up for that deeper level of reality, of, of, of Ruchnias, is going to need some level of Yisurin. It's going to need some level of some serious Nefesh, and Yisurin, that's what it's going to require. This is what Gulf Mitzrayim was, and this is, let's go, let's go back. The, the, the Rabbanu Shalom said, you know why there's Gulf Mitzrayim over here? It's because without Gulf Mitzrayim, Ve'era el Avram el Yisluk vel Yaakov bekel Shakai. I appeared to the Ovis by the name Kel Shakai. To appear with the name Kelshake means appearing, a vision means something there, and I have a vision of it. I see it from a distance. When I see something from a distance, I don't necessarily know what it is. I don't feel it. I don't, I don't truly understand it. It's a vision. It's something from a distance, right? But if you want to, you know, and so says the Rabbanu Shalom, I appear to the Avisaktaishim, in the name Kel Shakai. Kel Shakai is a name that's associated with, with what the Rabbani Shalom does. I've mentioned this many times. Kel Shakai are names that are associated with the creation of the world. Kel is a name that corresponds to Chesed. Oilam Chesed Ibana. Chesed, Kel Kol Hayoim. The creation was an act of Chesed. And Shakai is Sh'omer Loilam Aydai. The Rabbani Shalom was creating the world and he saw this is a perfect size for planet Earth. It's a perfect size for Saturn. Sh'omer Loilam Aydai. Kel Shakai are names that correspond to an awareness of God in terms of, of just by knowing that he's there through what he does. But you don't know who God is. Says the Rabbani Shloylam, without Gulf Mitzrayim, without Yusurin, it's not because of an Aveira per se. No, it is true. Because of it, just like in the system of fasting of Darizal, because of Averis, this impurity of the soul, this coarseness of the soul is increased. And so Mechiras Yosef certainly did not help. And the Lashon of the Jewish people, Mitzrayim, certainly did not help. 
But the ultimate fundamental need of Yisurin is, is, is basic in terms of allowing a neshama to become open to deeper levels than what it's accustomed to. And deeper truths and absorbing and, 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 and what, is, what was until that point a vision f- from a distance to become ushmi havaya naidati, to have a, a knowledge of not God the Creator, but God, God, Yurkevavke, the Rabbanishalm himself. And this is synonymous with what? With Tyrus Eretz Yisrael. Again, like I said, the other explanation of Gospel Simon, in order to receive the Torah and Eretz Yisrael, in order to receive Tyrus Eretz Yisrael. Because Tyrus Eretz Yisrael means to be masig saydesat Torah, to experience elikos, to experience Yiddishkeit as a pulsating, living, breathing reality that requires Yisurim. It requires Yisurim. Again, as I said, with Averis, the Yisurim become more intensified, the requirements. But, but, it, but this is a fundamental reality of life that in order to, whatever, whatever is real to you, whatever is alive to you, whatever you fully experience, there's always going to be, there's levels of ruchnius that are beyond that border and it's just concepts. In order to move you to the next arena that what was until now a vision of Kel Shakai to become knowing your Kevavke, it requires you, sir. Now again, like I said, with Averis, then you're, you're already behind the apple. But the very metzius of being masik sadesatara requires yisurin. It requires mesiris nefesh. It requires a, a a a breaking on some level of the self. And this is what the Gemara says. Uh, the Gemara says in, in brachas that yisurin is compared to salt. Just like salt softens the meat, right, and allows the flavors to penetrate the meat, and the meat is altogether changed by the flavors. That the 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 you know the the rub that you put on the meat is not just something that the that the meat has a shaykes to. It becomes part of the meat. Says the Gemara, that's what salt does. Salt allows the flavors to become part of the meat itself. And the meat's universe is now one with those flavors. So Chazal say, there's a, that's, that, that's what Yisurin does to the Jew. That's what suffering does to a Jew. It allows what was until that point a nice idea and, you know, some theory become Tyrus Chaim, to become an essential thing. And this is also related to those three letters of Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's understand. Moshe Rabbeinu is charged in the world, not just to give us the Torah, but Moshe Rabbeinu is specifically handpicked to give us a living Torah, to give us a Torah that, that is something that the Jewish people and the Jewish soul is able to experience. That is the, that is the ultimate job of Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu, therefore, is not only the one to give us a Torah, not only required to bring the Torah to the earth, but his job ultimately is to bring the Torah to Tevel Veva to the inhabited part of the earth. Because bringing the Torah to earth means we could put on Talisman Tefillin. But bringing the Torah to the inhabited part of the earth means that it becomes as experiential to you and as real to you as every other part of your life. And that's what it means that Moshe Rabbeinu is required not just to bring the Torah to earth, but to Yumasak in all of the letters of his name of Tevel, of, of, um, of Hevel and Shays, in order that the Torah should be able to not just be given to planet earth, but Lashem Aretzimuloya Tevel V'yoshveva. And that's exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu is about. And again, the, 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 the fire of Labas Eish, which is what Gauls Mitzrayim was, was metaphorically re- represented by, is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, this is what it's about. What it's about is to make Yiddishkeit something that's absolutely real and concrete and inhabitable. Like, like, like Eretz Yisrael, which is an inhabitable place on earth. 
not just stam an idea, but but where Torah and Yiddishkeit become essentially essentially real. This is, by the way, we'll just end with this. This is why, this is why Bilam is the opposite of this, right? I've mentioned this before. Bilam thrives when those letters of Tevel are still incomplete. When Yiddishkeit is just a concept, an idea, and something that we do, but not necessarily something that we experience in the soul, that's where Bilam thrives. Bilam was was someone that, even in the simple story of Bilam, we find this. Bilam, Bilam knows about God. Bilam is experiencing Nevoah, but it doesn't have, but he doesn't care about what God really wants. You understand? It's like he just needs permission, right? He just needs to get, he's just trying to finagle God to give him permission to curse the Jewish people. Like he knows that God doesn't want him to curse the Jewish people, but he doesn't, he doesn't you know, he needs permission. So Bilam is the classic example of, of, of an awareness of God that's completely superficial, that, that he doesn't, it has not penetrated the meat. You understand? It's not, it's not a real reality. The reality to Bilam is this world and the money that's being offered to him by Bullock. That's real. Yeah. The Rabbanu Shalom, he doesn't want to go to Gehenna, or, you know, so he needs official permission, but that's not real. You understand? Bilam, that's, what, that's why Bilam is, all, Bilam is, is, is the expert in the world on Kishif, on, on witchcraft. See, Yiddishkeit, I'm going to say strong words, but Rav Nachman writes this in the Kutmaran. Yiddishkeit, without this idea, without Moshe Rabbeinu, without Tevel V'yashreva, without Golis Mitzrayim, is also Kishif. What are we doing? Leather boxes, tying it on, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, saying magic words and lighting candles. It's Kishif, it's, it's, it's Hocus Pocus. Say such a thing. Rav Nachman writes such a thing that if you learn Pnimis Satira without truly having a purified heart to some on some level experience it, then what's the difference between that and Kishif? Now, Chas Vashon, we still have to keep our mitzvahs because we, we ultimately went through Golis Mitzrayim, which means that on some level we are experiencing Yiddishkeit. But without the Golis Mitzrayim, theoretically, a Jew, without going through the, any level of Yisurin at all, and then just being a Yiddishkeit, it's Kishif. It's. it's, it's it's all hocus pocus. It's just things that you do that you're not. That's not a real thing. What's real is what's in front of you, and uh, some uh, mysterious uh, energies out there. <laughs> you know, you're trying to tap into whatever. But what is Yiddishkeit? Yiddishkeit's not kishev. Chas v'sham. Why is Yiddishkeit not kishev? Because it's real. It's 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 as real and as practical and as down to earth and as tangible as the table that you're sitting in front of. But that's all true because of Gaulus Mitzrayim. Because of the concept of Yisurim. Now again, as I said, it introduces bigger, bigger questions. But suffice it to say that, that this idea is a truth. It is the truth. What level of Yisurim does a person have to go through in order to break through that personal barrier and to allow the soul to experience levels of Ruchnius that until that point are just concepts and to make it real? Lavdafka does it have to be with intense fasting and things like that? Adarabha, the tzaddikim, from the Baal Shem already has recommended not to take on that type of suffering. But a person has to, but, but any, like I said, Messiris Nefesh, to push oneself and invite the Hashem beyond their comfort zone, that's also Yisurim. That's also Yisurim, to learn more, to daven harder, to watch oneself from doing Averis more. That's also, that's, that, that's also Yisurim. And there's a purpose in that. that the Yisurim itself becomes like salt to allow yourself to experience more. It's Masak in those letters of Tevel, that the Rav should exist in, in, in the world that's inhabited. An inhabited place, Taras Eretz Yisrael. This is why Chazal say that Olam Haba, Eretz Yisrael, and Taira are only, requ- only acquired with Yisurim. What does it mean to acquire something? To be kind of something. To be kind of something means that you have full 
full, uh, uh, full, uh, you know, uh, ownership, full possession, full dominance over this thing. You understand what it is. It's not an idea. The era El Avram Yitzliyakov means that that the Rebbe Shalom wasn't acquired by them. To acquire Ushmi Naidati to know to know the Rebbe Shalom that means to acquire it. To acquire Tyra. To acquire Artistral, to acquire Oilam Haba. Oilam Haba means to experience the Rabbanishlam, that's the Yusur. And it's through Mesir Snefesh. That's the Ikravaida Mesir Snefesh. When you do that, then then everything that you do with Mesir Snefesh, all the mitzvahs that you do with Mesir Snefesh, it, it takes on a, diff, a, a a deeper level. It takes on a in the soul it becomes a reality. Not just something that you're doing, it becomes a reality. Now by the time that reality for it to bubble to the surface of, you know, uh, your monkey brain, you know what I mean? It might take some time. But through years of Avaida, or maybe less than years of Avaida, but real mysterious Nefesh and Avaida Hashem, slowly but surely Yiddishkeit will become real to you, where the very concept of not serving the Bernashon properly will, could make a person physically ill. You can become physically ill by thinking about not doing misses and not serving Hashem properly. There's such madrigas like that by Tzaddikim. How do they get to such a place? Make a person physically ill? You know, smelling something, uh, a, rotten, a rotten piece of meat makes a person uh, nauseous. The thought of Chil Shabbos can make a person nauseous? That can make a person nauseous. Because with Mesir Snefesh and with Yisurin and Avedis Hashem, then, Yid, then Shabbos becomes as real. And Chil Shabbos becomes like a rotten piece of meat. And that's something that a Yid can aspire to and can reach. And we're already on the path because we experienced Gals Mitzrayim. Each one in our own lives. To have a Taurus Eretz Yisrael, to have a Taurus Chaim, to have a, 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 a Labas Eish, Tevel V'yosh Veva, Shmi Hashem, we should be taka, bizarcha, to know intuitively and, 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 and deeply. And with that, we should be to come to that day. Kimol Eretz Deyas Hashem. Kimayim HaMechas, Mviyas Gal Tzedek, Mher Amen.